today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, we're going to pick it up with verse 11, Romans chapter 6, verse 11, Paul said, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the word reckon means to count to compute, to take an account. It gives the idea of adding a group of numbers up in order to get to a grand total. Uh, it It has to do with our learning and our understanding of the Word of God. And we need to add up all that God has given us here in this uh, sixth chapter of the book of uh, Romans here in the first ten verses. First of all, we need to reckon ourselves to be baptized into Christ. That's verses 3 and 4. We are in union with Christ. We were baptized into His death. We were buried with Him by baptism into death. We're raised with Him in a newness of life, which means that His victory is also our victory, regardless of what we may or may not feel from time to time. Uh, Sometimes I feel like a nut and sometimes I don't. We don't live by what we feel. We live by faith. Faith according to the Word of God and by faith, Christ's victory is our victory. Number two, because of our union with Christ, we need to reckon ourselves to be dead to the sin nature. Verse 6 says that henceforth we should not serve sin. That old slave master of the sin nature um, is no longer to have authority and to dominate us in any way. Why? Uh, Because when Jesus died, we died with him. And if you look there in verse 7, it says that he that is dead is freed from sin. And by faith, when Jesus died, we died with him. And we are no longer held accountable or have to obey that old slave master of the sin nature. The third thing we need to reckon ourselves to be alive unto God. Now, we're all born spiritually dead, separated from God uh, because of the sin nature. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, Ephesians 2 verse 1, you hath he quickened or made alive, 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit, and that's the sin nature, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle, in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature. We were all naturally born with a sin nature because of Adam and what he did in the Garden of, Eve, in, in the Garden of Eden. Uh, we're all by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us, has made us alive. Together, there's that baptism, that union into Christ. With Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up, Together Again, there's our union with Christ and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, we might, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. And guess what? We're still a work in progress. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And with that, we need to reckon ourselves to be alive now unto God. We're no longer dead in trespasses and sins. Old things have passed away. All things now have become new. Now, reckoning ourselves to be alive unto God also speaks of our living for God. Just as Jesus lived a perfect life that was pleasing unto God, He was able to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We now have that same power implanted within our hearts and lives. He is our new master now. If you want to call him the slave master, that's what Paul said. He said, I'm a servant, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our new master, and if we'll walk after the Spirit, if we'll cooperate with the Spirit, if we will order our behavior after the Spirit, he'll clean us up. He'll clean us up. And uh, help us to live a life that's pleasing unto God, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean sinless perfection. That, Like I've said before, there's no graduating class when it comes to Christianity. The only ones who have graduated are those who are no longer here. Okay, So, as long as you're here in this world, um, there's going to be things for the Holy Spirit to work on within our hearts and lives. And the fourth thing that we need to reckon or that we need to understand is that all of this has been done through Jesus Christ our Lord, the latter part of Romans chapter 6 verse 11. 
He has done everything that needs to be done as it pertains to our salvation. There's nothing left hanging out here for you and I to do but simply place our faith in what He has done for us and rest in His finished work. That's it. That's our part. Now, Romans 6 and verse 12. Paul said, Let not sin, the sin nature... Therefore, reign in your mortal body. Now, there are several things that are said here in this verse. First of all, I want you to notice that the word sin, once again, is used as a noun. And it's pictured as a king ruling and reigning in one's life. Let not sin, the sin nature, therefore reign in your mortal body. Secondly, you and I are responsible Did you hear that? You and I are responsible. This verse plainly tells us that we've been set free from the power of the sin nature and we can remain free from it if we so choose to do so. Okay? Number three. The sin nature is not eliminated. It has not been removed. It's only been unplugged. It's like that lamp back there in the vestibule. We can plug it in and turn it on and it'll work fine. If we don't want it to work anymore, just unplug it from the wall. You ain't got to worry about it. But now it's still sitting right there where where it's always sit at since it was placed back there. Uh, It is still there. It has not been removed, but it's powerless because it's unplugged. And that's what's happened to you and I. We're dead to the sin nature. It's been unplugged. But, however, it still resides within our lives. It's there. It's dormant. But it's not really doing anything. And uh, it can, once again, rule and reign within one's heart and life if they let it. Now, there are some who believe and teach that once you get saved, uh, the sin nature is eliminated. It is removed. Now, if that is the case then why would Paul even mention that, mention this verse? Why would he even use that phrase, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, if it weren't possible for such to happen? Okay, so, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Now, let me ask this question. What does the pronoun it refer to in this verse? Does it refer to the sin nature? Or does it refer to the physical body? You say, well, what difference does it make? Well, I'm going I'm to deal with that. The Greek text refers it back to our physical body. Now, sinful desires originate with the sin nature. Not our physical bodies. So why does Paul relate all of this to the physical body? Well, I'm going to tell you why. The answer is this. The sin nature is intangible. It's an invisible enemy with tactics that you can't see or guard against. You can't see it. However, we need to understand, we need to reckon... 
We need to understand that sin can't be carried out to its fullest extent unless the physical body is engaged in some way, shape, form, or fashion. That's how sin is carried out, through the physical body. I hope you can see the connection there. So, with that in mind, as a Christian, you and I need to keep watch over the members of our physical body. What, what the eyes see. What the ears hear. What we allow our minds to think on. What we put our hands to. We have to be careful what the members of our physical body uh, goes about doing because that will tell you whether or not uh, there's an active sin nature there or not. However, with the Holy Spirit now residing within our hearts and lives, we now have the power to guide the actions of our physical bodies which means exactly what Paul said, we don't have to obey it in the lust thereof. He also said uh, in another place, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, he said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh, the physical body, that is what you and I have the most trouble with. It's not the sin nature. It's the physical body. The body desires certain things. It wants certain things. And you can take a drug addict and that man give his heart and life to the Lord. And that man has been changed, but yet his body has still got attachment to certain chemicals. You understand what I'm saying? There's still a problem. There's a physical part of it there. And only God can break that bondage. Only God can break that bondage. And I know uh, I've got a cousin that God set him free from heroin, set him free from nicotine, set him free from alcohol. So there, there's not a bondage in this world that God cannot break. But the first step is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and letting Him do that work within the heart and life of the individual. But like I said, um, the physical body is what gives us the most trouble as it regards ungodly passions and that sort of thing. And uh, Paul said in verse 13 of Romans chapter 6, Neither yield ye your members. Neither yield ye your members. That's the members of the physical body, the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the mind, so on and, and so forth. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, unto the sin nature. But yield yourselves unto God. This is what you need to understand. The physical body is neutral. The physical body is not good, it's not bad. It's not righteous, it's not unrighteous. The physical body is neutral. It's like a, it's like a computer. Now, I can use that computer to do good, or I can use it to spread all kinds of gossip about you. See, It's like a hammer, it's a tool. I can use it to drive a nail in some sheetrock, or I can use it to go upside your head see that that hammer is neutral the physical body is neutral 
And it, it depends on which nature we yield to. We have two natures within. One should be dormant, the sin nature. The other one should be active, which is the Holy Spirit. But it's whichever of those two natures that you yield to that we're going to find out whether your body does that which is righteous or that which is unrighteous. Now, Paul likened the members of the physical body as instruments. I want you to notice that word, Romans 6, verse 13. He used the word instruments. Uh, the Greek word is hopla. And it refers to the weapons of a Greek soldier. So Paul is actually saying that the members of our physical bodies can be used as weapons in Christian warfare against evil. Look at what he said. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. And that's the key. We have to yield ourselves unto God. Now, there are three powerful words that are given to us in this chapter. And if we will learn those words, abide by those words, do those words, victory is guaranteed within our hearts and lives. Those words are believe, that's the first thing. Believe, reckon, understand, has to pertain to knowledge, and yield. Believe, reckon, and yield. If you're going to live a more abundant life, those are the three words that you're going to have to put into practice. Now let's look at the first one. Believe. Romans 6 verse 8. Go back up to verse 8. We looked at this the other week. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Now, that's not referring to going to heaven one day and living with Him for all eternity. That's not what it's talking about. Although that's going to be great and glorious one day when that takes place. It's talking about a more abundant life right now. Jesus said, John 10, 10, he said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He came into this world to die for our sins so that we might have more abundant life. And the only way we can have it is by simple faith. Faith is the number one key when it comes to Christianity. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The reward of a more abundant life is given to those who will diligently, constantly seek after God and believe Him for everything that we need as it pertains to life and living. All right. The next word 
reckon. Now we've already looked at that. Romans 6 verse 11. Likewise reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to have a working knowledge of what Jesus has done for us at Calvary, and we need to reckon ourselves accordingly. Now, in order for you to get a good working knowledge of God's Word, you need to read it on a everyday basis. You need to come to church when that door is open. You need to be here for Sunday school. Hello? Get an amen? Not just Sunday morning, 11 o'clock worship service. You need to be here for Sunday school. You need to be here for Wednesday night as we're studying and going through this. You need to take advantage of the teaching of, that, that goes out of this church as it pertains to God's Word. And that's how we reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And we need to put ourselves into that equation. Jesus didn't do that for himself. He did it for you and I. All right. The last word. Three important words. Believe, reckon, and yield. The latter part of verse 13. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Now this has to do with your willpower. See... Before you got saved, you didn't have a choice. You, your choice was to stay in sin or get saved. You enjoyed your sin, so you stayed in sin. But the day came when you got saved. And then those desires changed. See, He changed you. He put a desire down in your heart. And Paul said, now we are as those that are alive from the dead. In other words, the Holy Spirit has now come into our hearts and lives. And all of what we used to be is no more. We've been buried with Christ. The old man has been buried with Christ. And those desires have changed. We've got a choice now. That's where your willpower comes into play. You can either yield to the divine nature, which will always bring about righteousness, or you can yield to the sin nature, which will always bring about unrighteousness. And we can paraphrase verse 13 this way. Don't yield your body as a weapon unto unrighteousness to the sin nature. You're alive unto God now. So yield your body as a weapon of righteousness unto God. That's just a different way of saying verse 13. Believe, reckon, and yield. Verse 14. For sin, the sin nature, shall not have dominion over you. It's not God's will for us to be dominated by the sin nature. But the truth is, many are. And the reasons can vary because everybody is unique and, and different in their own way. 
But I can tell you what the main reason is. The main reason that the sin nature is dominating in a person's life is either because of lack of faith. They have failed to reckon themselves. They have failed to learn to understand the Word of God, or either they are lacking in yielding themselves to the will of God, or a combination of, of those things. So if a person is dominated by the sin nature, it's because one of those things, or more, is lacking uh, in their heart and life. Now, when I say a Christian is dominated by sin nature... That don't mean that everything they do is wrong or that everything they do is sinful, okay? Most of the time, it's just one or two, maybe three little areas in their life that they're struggling with. And I mean, hey, sin is a wide ocean front, covers a large territory, and people struggle with things, and... Uh, Every single one of us in here have had struggles with things. I remember after I came to the Lord, I had a problem with cigarettes, and I struggled with that thing for, for several years. And finally just came to the place, Lord, you died to set me free from this thing. I can't do it. You've already done it. And I want to see this thing realized in my life. I want to be free from this thing. And the Lord worked it out. And He finally set me free from that thing. But I, I, I was struggling with it. And uh, a person can be dominated in certain areas of their life if faith is lacking there's a lack of knowledge or yielding to the Holy Spirit. Alright, but there is also a fourth reason that a person can be dominated by the sin nature. And it is so subtle, and if you ain't careful, you're going to miss it. And Paul says it right here in this 14th verse. He said, latter part, for you are not under the law, but under grace if you try to live for God by the means of law keeping you will be dominated by the sin nature in some way you cannot live for God by trying to keep the law within your own self ability, strength, talent education that sort, those things which are indicative to a human being. You can't do it. No one has ever kept the law. And when I say the law, we think of the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses, that sort of thing. But, but churches make up laws. We make up laws ourselves. You know, if, if I fast twice a week, then the Lord's really going to anoint me to preach Sunday morning. See, I've just made a law out of fasting. Now, fasting is good if it's done in the right way. But see, for me to say I'm going to fast twice a week and then God's going to have to anoint me to preach Sunday morning and somebody gets saved, that ain't going to work. <laughs> I've just made a law out of something. Well, how does it work? By grace. That's what Paul said there. For you are not under law, but under grace. And the Greek word for grace is charis. 
And it means the divine influence of the Holy Spirit upon the heart of the individual. And then its reflection can be seen in the life. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.